If you'll turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter number 8. My whole life, I never needed glasses. When I turned 40 years old, and my favorite Bible is the Cambridge Wide Margin. And for those wide margins, you pay the price with a smaller font. But when it, when it was starting to get where I couldn't quite see the letters on there, you know, and they were starting to fuzz up, I uh, went to the VA, and they, they checked my eyes, and they gave me a prescription. And I, I got to tell you how thrilled I was to be putting on glasses, you know, because uh, all the cool safety glasses and stuff, they're not prescription or anything. Or you can just, you can wear sunglasses, you can do whatever you want with no glasses on. But uh, I tell you, when I got those glasses, and I, I've been getting the same ugly ones every time, but uh, when I got those glasses and I put them on, and I was at work out at the plant, and I was disconnecting a radio connection, or, or on my radio service monitor, my test equipment, I'm disconnecting it, and I look down, and I'm like, oh, look at that. There's a serial number on this thing. <laughs> you know, and that, after a certain point, you don't really care what it looks like. You just won't be able to see. And I tried those progressive lenses, and I remember bringing them up to Bible study, and I, I, about, I about had tears in my eyes because, you know, you go from windshields down to, they, they tell you the visible spots this far, you know. And it, you just learn to look. Well, I just never learned to look. I didn't. So, you know, the bifocals, whatever. I used to make fun of kids with bifocals or Coke bottle glasses. As long as I can see, and you can say what you want. And uh, here in this passage, that's, believe it or not, there was a segue there. Here in this passage, we have Jesus healing a blind man. And uh, I want to ask you today. You know, what kind of glasses are you wearing? You know, how are you seeing? Look at uh, verse number 22. It says, And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes, and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught, or if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. Now, there's a sermon in that, but that's not going to be the one today. He said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house, saying, neither, saying, neither go into the town nor tell it to any in the town. And... uh so here in Mark chapter 8, let's pray before we get started here. Lord, I ask that you be in this message this morning. Lord, I ask that you speak, uh, just preach a special message to each and every heart in the way that only you can do. Lord, as we face this world, we come to your word looking for guidance. We come to your word looking for conviction, and we come to your word looking for clarification. God, I pray that you would open our spiritual eyes this morning as we preach this word. Lord, that you just push a preacher out of the way. And preach the message. We just thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, you see here that Jesus had to touch the blind man a couple times. The first time that he touched him, 
he, he, he says he spit on his eyes, spit on his eyes and touched him. And he asked him there in verse 23, and he put his hands upon him, and he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. So he wasn't quite seeing things as clearly after the healing. And after that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up, and he was restored and saw every man clearly. Now you say, what kind of application is this? Well, Jesus did nothing by halves, first off. Whenever Jesus healed somebody, there was an instantaneous healing. Every other healing that he performed was immediate. The woman with an issue of blood for 12 years was healed immediately just by touching the hem of his garment. And she knew that she was healed. She felt the power go out of him. The centurion's son, when the centurion went to Jesus and he said, well, take me to your house. And he said, sir, he said, I'm a leader of men. When I tell someone to go, they go. I have all kinds of men under me. I have authority. And he said, I know that at your word, he'll be healed. You don't even have to come to the house. And that's the kind of faith we need, right? Yeah. Most people got to see a little sign. But he said, I know that at your word, will be healed. And when the centurion returned home, they said, your son's better. He's healed. And he said, what time? Because he knew what time he'd talked to Jesus. And it was at that same hour that he'd been healed. So Jesus does nothing by halves. We might do things by halves, but Jesus does nothing part way. So if he did this, there was a reason for it. And there's always a lesson in what Jesus does. When he saw the lepers, they were immediately clean. Turn to uh, John chapter number 6. Keep your finger in the book of Mark. John chapter number 6. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And uh, you have you have the feeding of the five thousand. You have the miracle of the loaves and the fishes. And in, in verse number twenty six, they they had come to Jesus. They had followed him over, and Jesus tells them in verse twenty six. He said, "Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled." And then he tells them. The lesson that was behind the feeding of the 5,000. He says, labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. The miracles were there to teach lessons. They were there to make people whole. Over in verse number 30, the uh, Pharisees came to him and they asked him for a sign. They said, therefore unto him, what sign showest thou then that we may see and believe what dost thou work? And in verse 31, they said, our fathers did eat manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And then Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my father giveth you the true bread from heaven. He said, for the bread of God, which is he, which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. You know, you think a preacher just gets up and just makes things up about the Bible. But Jesus points to those events in the Old Testament. They are in samples to us or they were examples to us. We look back and we see a spiritual application in those things. And uh, verse 34, then they said unto him, Lord, evermore, give us this bread. They wanted the material bread. They said, ma'am, we will never be hungry. 
It's like when he saw the woman at the well and he said, if you'd ask of me, I'll give you water that you'll never thirst again. She said, Lord, give me this water where I'll never thirst again. But there's a spiritual application in it. And then they said unto him, Lord, evermore, give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. He turns it from the material application to the spiritual. He said, but I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. So there's people with spiritual eye, or there's people with regular eyes. They try to see the things of God, but they can't understand them. And the Bible talks about a spiritual blindness. And I think here with the disciples, he was trying to teach them a little lesson there. But look at the healing of the blind man. With this healing of the blind man, you know, uh, over in John chapter 9, if you want to flip over there. Over in John chapter 9, where Jesus healed another blind man, he, he was instantly able to see. And this blind man, when he was healed, the Pharisees were trying to get something against Jesus, and they called him before him. And it was kind of like, oh, how dare you get healed? <laughs> you know, and they wanted him to say something bad against Jesus. They desperately wanted to get rid of Jesus. And let me tell you, this world wants to get rid of Jesus. He's a thorn in their side. You know, there's a, there's a song I listen to, a group called Seminole String Band. You know, they go to different churches and stuff. They say it's just a book. And uh, their, their chorus says, if it's just a book, then why are you running? <laughs> if it's just a book, why get so scared? And uh, it says, just a book that knows every thought you've had, you know. But uh, it's a book that tells us about Jesus Christ. If it's just a name, why are you so afraid of him? If he's just a good man, why are you so afraid of him? So they're trying to get rid of Jesus, and you get over into verse 24, and they pull him before the council, and it says, Then again they called the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. And he answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that's what happened to me. I got a page out of whack. But uh, we'll carry on with this. and we'll, I'm sorry about breaking it up like that. But uh, he said, But one thing I know, if he be a sinner or no, I know not. But one thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. That's something that happens when you get saved, right? Not knowing Jesus Christ, but when you, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you get a new set of eyes. You understand things that you didn't understand before. And those spiritual eyes that we're talking about, understanding things spiritually, over in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, you don't have to go there, but first, verse 14, it says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. You know, I remember a long time ago before, you know, it seemed maybe I needed a second touch, like this blind man. But I remember getting saved, and I remember trusting Jesus Christ as my Savior, but I remember reading the Bible and not understanding it was kind of like Philip in the desert with the, with the Ethiopian on the chariot. He said, understand what thou readest? He said, how can I except some man show me? We need preachers. We need teachers. We need faithful Christians that are willing to show the word of God to other people. The natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. 
and neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. There's a thing about blindness when you see it in the Bible. It's a spiritual blindness. Israel has been spiritually blinded, unable to fully understand the things of God. Over in Romans 11.25, it says, For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become. We know that, there's, that God puts blindness on people to, so that they don't understand things. Paul talked about the blindness of the Gentiles. He said over in Ephesians 4.17, he said, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the, misunderstand, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness in their heart. So, Jesus may have been teaching the disciples a lesson. We, we know that blindness and seeing things clearly or seeing things God's way. And here this blind man, when he's healed, he doesn't quite see things as clearly. Jesus asks him, he says, I see men as trees walking. And this, if you look back over in Mark chapter number 8, Go back to Mark chapter number 8. Jesus may have been teaching the disciples a lesson here through the healing of the miracle of the blind man. See, the disciples had spent time with him night and day. They heard his teachings, were able to ask questions that nobody else could. Can you imagine getting to spend that amount of time with Jesus? I mean, you're talking to the source of the Bible. You ask a question, and, and he'll tell you exactly why it happened, and he would. You know, they asked him about divorce. He said, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, wrote that in there, you know. And uh, he clarified things. So the disciples had spent all this time with Jesus, and even though they had spent this time, there was still a certain amount of blindness with the disciples. You follow me on that? Even though they had been with him night and day, even though they had walked everywhere with him, and even though when they had, when they had been there for the miracles, they had a special access to Jesus after the miracles. When Jesus told a parable, and he told the parable about the seed and the sower, and they got away from the Pharisees, and they said, what means this parable? Jesus told them exactly what it means. So if anybody should have had their eyes wide open, it would have been the disciples, right? But it's not always that way. Over in... Uh, Look at uh, verse number 11. Verse number 11. In a different Bible this morning. And the Pharisees came forth and began to question him, seeking of him a sign from heaven, tempting him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why Why does this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, there shall be no sign given unto this generation. And he left them and entering into the ship again departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, neither had they, had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. And he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. So he's telling them something. He's teaching them something. And this is, here they are, they're short of bread, and they begin to mistake what he's talking about. And they reason, verse number 16, and they reason among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. This is why he's saying to beware. We, we don't want to buy leaven from the Pharisees, right? 
That's why he's saying this. In verse 17, and when Jesus knew it, he said unto them, why reason you because you have no bread? You ever talk to somebody and they didn't understand what you're, what, what are you talking about? This is, this is what I'm trying to tell you. He said, perceive you not yet, neither understand. Have you your heart yet hardened? He said, having eyes, see you not, and having ears, hear you not, and do you not remember? Now remember, this is before the healing of the blind man. And he's telling them, you have eyes, you've heard. You, you don't see what I'm talking about. You don't hear what I've said. He said, when I break the five loaves among 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments took you up? And they say unto him, 12. And when the seven among 4,000, how many baskets full of fragments took you up? And they said, seven. And he said unto them, how is it that you do not understand? And he told them about the bread of life. And then after the blind man was made whole, Jesus began to teach the disciples again. Look over in verse number 27. It says, and Jesus went out and his disciples into the towns of Caesarea and Philippi. And by the way, he asked his disciples, saying unto them. Now, this is after the healing of the blind man. He said, whom do men say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, but some say Elias and others, one of the prophets. And he said unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And Peter answered and said unto him, thou art the Christ. They understand that. They know Jesus Christ. They know that he's the Messiah that came, and Peter confesses it. But look what happens here. Verse 30, and he charged them that they should tell no man of him. Verse 31, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Now, anybody in America that's been to a an Easter service, understands what Easter is about, understand that Jesus died on the cross. And if you understand salvation, you know that he died for our sins on that cross. And that after he was buried and he rose again after three days, and he was here among the disciples. But here at this point in time, they're walking with Jesus Christ. They're seeing him in the flesh and blood. And none of these things have happened yet. They don't understand what's going on. Lose my flow. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many, many things. And then verse 32, and he spake that saying openly, and Peter took him and began to rebuke him. So Peter gets upset that Jesus is talking about dying. It's a sad thing to hear somebody talking about that. I can tell you that. But uh, over in Matthew over in Matthew 16, 22, it tells us that Peter, then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. And back in our passage on verse 33, it said, But when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan. So they go from being his disciples to now all of a sudden Peter is Satan. Because if Jesus doesn't die on the cross, none of us have a chance. You're not going to work to heaven on your own. You say, well, I'm going to try to live right. Good luck with that. You can live right. You can, have a, you, can, you can be as good as you want. You can give as money to as many people as you want. You can sell your goods. You can put your, turn your whole life into helping other people. But it's not going to make you righteous enough to get into heaven. You can go to church every day of your life from the day you're born, from nine months before you were born all the way to the day you die. It's not going to be enough to get you into heaven. 
you might learn a lot of Bible. And you might not. There's a lot of people that sit in church that don't know any Bible. You know, one of the saddest things I remember from uh, uh, pastoring is sitting in a Sunday school class, and there was a woman there, and she was talking about her friend that goes to her church, goes to a Catholic church, and she, she doesn't like going to church. She, it's a hard thing. She, but she goes to church. She's faithful to go to church, but she doesn't want to go to church. And she said, and I asked my friend, well, why do you go to church if you don't like going to church? And she said, well, I think the best way I know to answer that is so that everybody else knows. And, you know, it's not hard to stump me, but, I mean, that just left me with my jaw dropped to the drawer, dropped to the floor. I looked at her, and I just, and she said, and I thought that was a pretty good answer. And and it's like, Lord, help me. Because you shouldn't be going to church just to make everybody else happy. Y'all be going to church because you want to serve the Lord, because you want to hear about him. Now, the preacher may fall short. But your relationship is with the Lord God. Your relationship is with God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now here, Peter was saying, Lord, be it far from thee. We know that Peter wanted to fight for Jesus. We know that he pulled the sword out that night and struck the, struck the ear of the servant's ear off. He was ready to fight. He was ready to stand and fight the Roman soldiers to the death to protect Jesus Christ. He was going to be his bodyguard. And Jesus rebuked him. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. Because Satan was the one that didn't want Jesus to die on that cross. Satan was the one that didn't want the penalty paid. So it goes on there. And so all of these things that they've heard in verse number 33, but when he had turned and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter saying, get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of man. So let's go back to our passage here in verse number 27, verse number 28. No, hang on. He switched Bibles midstream here. Verse number 22, and he come to Bethsaida, they bring a blind man unto him, besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes, he put his hands upon him. So we had the miracle of the healing of the blind man. But he doesn't quite see everything clearly the second time around. So there's a picture here for the Christian when we look at this miracle. Every other one was immediate. But in the Christian's life, we know that it's not his salvation in the second touch. We know that we're saved when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. We know that we receive the Holy Spirit. We know that we receive spiritual eyes. But there's there's a message here because the disciples knew all these things that Jesus had taught him, yet they still didn't quite understand things clearly. Now let's take a look first at this first touch. He comes to the, the, number one, he has some friends that bring him. Before you got saved or before you knew of God, you didn't know anything. You'd heard of God, but you'd also heard of other things. you heard of other gods. How many people have you heard say, well, you know, There's many ways to heaven. There's many ways to God. Before you're saved, for all you know, the Buddhists are right. For all you know, the Mormons are right. Maybe, Maybe the Jehovah's Witnesses are right. But when you come to Jesus Christ, you know that he's the way, the truth, 
He gives you spiritual eyes to see. So someone had to bring this blind man to Jesus because he didn't know how to find him. He might know he was in the area, but someone brought him. It says, and they come to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him. Thank God for friends that will bring a blind man to Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for that time when I was 11 years old and my neighbor, and you all have heard this story, but I'll tell it again. I'm thankful for that time when I was 11 years old. My neighbor, she was, she was uh, up there older than me, but she invited me to a revival meeting in Texas City. And it was there that night. I knew I was dying, and I knew I was going to hell. I don't remember what the sermon was, but I knew that Jesus was real, and I knew that I needed to accept him to change my destination. I knew that he was the one that would save me from my sins. Even as young as I was, I could look back and I could think of things that I'd done, and I knew that I needed forgiveness. I knew that I needed his righteousness. I didn't quite understand everything. You know, I didn't quite see everything clearly. But that night, I knew that Jesus was the one. So somebody brought him to the blind man and besought him to touch him. You know, it happens in a church service. Some friends will bring another friend to the church service. And I remember that night out in Georgia going to a revival meeting and talking to the young fella and his friends had brought him there. But once it comes, verse number 23, and he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. Now, this is Jesus taking the blind man by the hand. You know, you can bring a friend to church. You can't make them get saved. You can point a friend to Jesus Christ. You can point a stranger to Jesus Christ. You can open up God's word to them. But unless it's a personal encounter with God, unless it's them personally seeing Jesus Christ, he takes them by the hand and takes them away. It's, it's a separate thing. It's not a group thing. It's a personal thing. You know, I remember one of my memories of that night when I got saved, went down there to the platform and the fellow was up there and it was almost like take a number. You know, because people are lined up, and I'm looking up there, and I see him going through. Okay, he didn't say this prayer, and go on. And I said, something's not right. And I'm looking up there, and I, I didn't want to go. Because I didn't want to be, I knew something was supposed to happen more important than that, than just being another number on somebody's plate. Lord, help you if you make somebody just another number when they come down. It's a personal time with Jesus Christ. And I looked over at my friend. And she said, would you like to pray with me? I said, yes. I knew I didn't want to go up there. And uh, Jesus takes him by the hand, and he leads him out of the town. Now, there's a reason I think that he leads him out of the town, because later they're in Bethsaida, and later Jesus pronounces a curse on them because of all the miracles that he performed, but they didn't believe in him. And he said, woe unto thee, Bethsaida, Chorazin, and he, he lists them off. But he takes him out of the town, and when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, now he could say things about spitting on his eyes, but I tell you what, the spit came from Jesus Christ. He can spit all over me. <laughs> if he's going to save you from an eternity of hell, he can do what he wants. Amen? And he takes him out, and when he had spit on him, asked him if he saw aught. Jesus took him. That was all his friends could do at that time. Over in uh, John chapter 9, 
this is where it gets mixed up. He said, whereas I was blind, now I see. So we have those that are blind that are brought to Jesus Christ. But he asked him, can you see all? And he said, I see men walking as as trees walking. Over in verse 24, he says that. So things were out of focus for him. They weren't quite as clear as they ought to be. You ever put on someone else's glasses? You ever you ever tried to, oh, here, try these, see if this works. Or maybe you just see somebody's glasses, you know, in the family, and you trade glasses with them, and you put them, man, I don't know how you can see out of these things. For them, it's gold. Well, let me tell you something. There's people that are sitting in church, service after service after service, and they hear someone praising God and stand up. I just want to praise God, and I'm just so grateful for what he has done for me. And I'm so, so grateful for everything. You know what's happening? You're seeing through their eyes. There's a lot of people that are just content to see God through other people's eyes. Nothing happened to them that week. The whole time during the week, they hadn't really thought about God. They hadn't really, hadn't really spent any time with the Lord. They hadn't really prayed. They get into church on Sunday. And somebody said, I was praying for this. I was praying for my son, and my son got saved. And I can't tell you the joy. And you want to feel the joy, but you're looking through somebody else's glasses. You know why? Because you don't have your own. So there's people that are content. And this blind man, he's looking out, and he sees men. He knows what men are. Either somebody's described them to him, or he could see at one time. And he knows what trees are. And he knows that something's not quite right. He says, I see men as trees walking. And you sit in that service and somebody tells you what Jesus did for them. Somebody tells you how glad they are to be here. And you're like, well, I just barely made it. There's a lot of people sitting in service and they're just kind of seeing men as trees walking. You understand what I'm saying with that? Not quite seeing things clearly, looking through someone else's eyes. Now, things could stop right there, and they do for a lot of people. They'll go their entire life, and uh, it's, it's when you learn about the Bible, when you, when you hear spiritual preaching. It's like, well, I really don't understand what they're saying, but I'm in church. You reach that point, you might need another touch. The disciples were following Jesus. They were hearing all of his teachings, but there was still some things that they were missing. They were learning things, as Peter put it, that the prophets wrote but didn't understand. Over in 1 Peter 1.12, he says, Unto whom it was revealed, that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things. It said, Unto whom it was revealed, that not unto themselves. The prophets, when they wrote in the Bible, and they wrote like Isaiah writing, Isaiah 53, he didn't really fully understand what he was writing. He was ministering to us. They didn't quite have a full vision. They, they had Jesus with it. It wasn't until after Jesus returned from the dead and they saw him again, almost as if for the first time, that they began to understand. If you read in the, in the Gospels there, you'll read John about how they didn't quite understand things at the time. But when John comes back to write it, by the time he's looking back, he understands it fully. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He has a full understanding of who Jesus Christ was. 
over in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, the Bible says, But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Now we're talking about people sitting in the pews that aren't quite seeing what God has prepared for them. It might be that you need a second touch. If you're sitting out there and it just doesn't, the joy just doesn't come. Your heart's still a little broken. You say, well, I'm following the Lord. I'm making it to church. I'm, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. But there's something missing. It may be that you need a second touch. It may be that you need to put on your own glasses. You need the Lord to give you your own set of glasses. Quit seeing it through everybody else's eyes. You know, one of the dangers of preparing a sermon is reading everybody's commentary, what they have to say about the Bible. You know what the biggest joy is? When you read the Bible and God opens it up to you. Because then you're seeing it through your own eyes. You know, when that woman from the well, when she went down and she told him, come see a man which told me everything I ever did. They all followed her up to see Jesus. And there was a whole crowd coming. Jesus is looking out at them. And he said, behold, the fields are white under harvest. And they all come up there and they talk to Jesus. And they said, now we believe, not because of your word, but because of what he said. They had their own set of glasses at that point. So there's, there's those that are blind, there's those that can't see clearly, and then there's those that see with clarity. You know, Paul talked about how we can't see clearly now, but one day we'll understand everything. Over in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as I also am known. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. I know in part, but then shall I know even as I also am known. So you may not be able to understand everything, even when you're looking through your own glasses. But you don't have to continue looking through someone else's prescription. The Bible prescribes a way to get your glasses, to get your own spiritual eyes. The first thing is repentance. You know one of the biggest things that stops people from turning to God for healing or stops people from turning to God to get that second touch is thinking they don't need it. If you got it all figured out, you've already lost it all. It's like I tell you all, all the time about the guy that I was talking to the guy on watch about marriage. Y'all forget these things, so I just repeat them all the time. <laughs> the guy I was on watch, and you know, I was talking to a bunch of different guys, you know, about marriage because I was wanting to marry Didi, and I, I just wanted to be sure it was right. I prayed about it, but I wanted some advice from married men, and you stand watch, and you get that opportunity. And the best piece of advice I ever got was, you know, I'll never get married, you know, do this, do that. Best piece I ever, advice I ever got. He said, as soon as you think you're in control, you lost it. As soon as you think you're in control of your marriage, you've lost it. Let me tell you something. As soon as you think you're in control of your Christian walk, you've lost it. Jesus Christ is in control. If you've reached a point in your Christian life where you say, 
I, I got all I need. I'm, I, I've got this down. I got it worked out. And if there's anybody here, I, I don't think there's anybody here that does that. But if you ever reach that point, because there are some people that say, well, I go to church and we do this activity and man, we've done this and I've done this with the kids. I've gone on missionary trips over to this place and I've gone over here to this. The question is, it's great that you do all that. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? All this stuff on the outward, that's good. Don't neglect to do that. But do you have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Or are you looking at it through someone else's glasses? When you go out on the mission field and someone gets saved, are you just kind of wondering about the joy that's in their heart? Because you're seeing it through their eyes and not your own. So the first step is repentance. Is knowing that you have a problem. The next step involves prayer. Turning to the one who can give you the eyes. Jesus had to touch him a second time. He said, I see men as trees walking. He knew something wasn't right. He didn't quite know what it was. But I see men as trees. He, he mixed those two things up. I see men as trees walking. And in prayer, this is how we approach Jesus Christ. You can see him, but maybe you aren't seeing him as clearly as you want to be. You're reading the word of God, but maybe it just isn't clear enough to you. So how do you see Number one, do you see Jesus Christ at all? Has there ever been that time in your life when he's taken you by the hand and he's walked you away from everybody else? I can tell you there's times sitting in a preaching service and hearing the word of God preached, and I can tell you it was like the preacher was just looking straight at you. And I can tell you it's just like he was preaching straight at you and talking straight to your heart. You know what that is? And there's nobody else in the room? That's Jesus taking you out of Bethsaida, setting you apart by the hand and opening your eyes to what's going on in your life. There's prayer, talking to the Lord, and there's the reading of his word. But you know that first part, that repentance, getting those idols out of your life, getting whatever it is, because God will show you what is it in your life that's holding you back. It's in the way. So has God opened your eyes? Number two, are you seeing clearly? Are you looking through somebody else's glasses? And number three, do you want to see with clarity? We'll never see it all till we get up to heaven. But we don't have to spend our lives looking through someone else's glasses. If you'll stand.